Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. Let's hear about this episode's topic. Hi, my name is Bryn. I'm calling today because I have a two-year-old who I have explored both traditional and complementary medicine on. Um, she, I went to the chiropractor almost weekly while I was pregnant, and then my doula was also a chiropractor. Um, so she did an adjustment on my daughter when she was only a few hours old. Um, but I'm calling today because I want to know what the current views in Western medicine are for using complementary techniques in kids. I know um, there's a lot of fear of traditional medicine, or there used to be with Western medicine, but then nowadays there's a lot of fear of Western medicine. So as a parent, it's hard to know what's safe and what's not. So I would just want to get an idea of how modern medicine treats these old traditional techniques these days. Thanks so much. Looking forward to hearing. Wow, what an important and really interesting topic for us to talk about, and one that I thought would maybe push you a little bit out of your comfort zone. Uh, adjustments a couple <laughs> hours after birth. and But, you know, I think these are really interesting issues about complementary medicine and how it fits in with Western medicine, because we know, we know that people are doing both. Right. It's so common. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to talk about traditional and complementary medicine. Right. And alternative medicine. So it's um, massage, acupuncture, and chiropractic work. Right. It's a group of diverse medical and healthcare practices, systems, and products that are not presently considered to be part of conventional Western medicine. Right. And we know that people are doing both of them at the same time, the Western medicine and then seeking out these alternative therapies. Right. So like you mentioned, massage, acupuncture, chiropractic work, but even things like vitamins, herbal teas, supplements, and other non-traditional medications. Mm -hmm. So complementary medicine refers to when these practices are used in conjunction or they complement Western medicine. For example, I have a patient that has really severe asthma, and they use all of the traditional medications, the controller inhalers, albuterol, other seasonal allergy medicines, but they also use acupuncture, which has helped her gain a better control of her asthma with both techniques together. Mm -hmm. So that's the complementary medicine. Right. And then alternative medicine is when you use these practices instead of in the place of traditional Western medicine. Right. More and more frequently, these terms are being referred to in the context of integrative or holistic medicine. So integrative medicine will work to combine all treatment modalities to create a therapeutic alliance with each individual patient that's reflective of their individual goals. So, for example, our caller, Bryn, said that she had a doula. Um, I know she gave birth in a traditional hospital, and so she kind of brought both of those together. She had an adjustment on her baby, and she had a traditional delivery setting. Right. So she did both. And so another patient might drink traditional Chinese herbal teas alongside antibiotics if they have um, an infection. 
So how often are people actually utilizing what we also see abbreviated as CAM for complementary alternative medicine? Mm -hmm. So they're using it a lot. Studies looking at adults estimate that just under 40% of adults have used at least one or more of these within the last year. Mm -hmm. And I think that's 100% of people in this room today, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We were all talking about how many of us have tried something before. (laughs) So this is an industry that makes a significant amount of money. It's estimated $30 billion spent every year. Right. And about 12% of kids under 18 years of age are using complementary and alternative techniques. Um, Most often it was used for neck and back pain, which I think is common in adults as well. Colds, musculoskeletal complaints, so uh, maybe not neck or back, but like a knee problem, anxiety or attention deficit hyperactive disorder, ADHD, which we've talked about before. Most commonly used techniques were non-vitamin, non-mineral supplements, so taking supplements, which we'll talk about, Mm -hmm. osteopathic or chiropractic manipulation. Tai Chi is frequently used, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that was included. Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. We won't talk about it today, but it is one that we can touch on later. Mm-hmm. Um, kids with complex medical needs and incurable diseases are actually using these techniques the most frequently at about 50% of this population using one or more. And then adolescents are the second largest group of children that are using complementary techniques. Mm-hmm. So the kids with the complex medical needs and incurable diseases, I mean, they might not have their needs needs met by traditional Western medicine. So you can see why they would seek them out. And I guess adolescents, they're pretty (laughs) open-minded. They're open-minded and they're making some of their own decisions and, you know, can shop online or try things with their friends. So... Yeah. Well, well, most kids um, also use these therapies and traditional Western medicine, so the complementary medicine more than alternative? With children, yeah. So most of them are using them, like you said, complementary to Western medicine. But many families who use these techniques actually don't mention that they're doing them to their pediatrician. Um, so one study looked at how many times parents are disclosing the use of these to mm-hmm. their pediatrician, and it was as low as 23%. Wow, that's so low. I wonder why that is. I mean, because they should be sharing things with their healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. Are they forgetting to bring it up? Or is their physician, like, are they worried that their physician would, like, judge them and dismiss mm-hmm. it or convince them to stop getting these kind of treatments? Yeah, I think that all of those things probably play into it for different people. But whatever the reason is, it is important to discuss these practices with your pediatrician. And I think we should acknowledge that a lot of us may not ask about it. We may not feel comfortable talking about it. Um, And so as pediatricians, we definitely need to do a better job of educating ourselves about complementary medicines and asking families about it during our office visits. Mm -hmm. But why do you think parents now are increasingly turning to supplement our traditional medicine with these other practices, if you had to guess? Well, I'm thinking that they're not satisfied with the conventional care that they're receiving. Mm -hmm. In a recent survey, they asked parents this, why were they seeking out these other supplementary tactics? And in order of decreasing frequency, they said mostly it was from word of mouth from friends or relatives that this really worked for them or their kids. A previous treatment was considered effective, so maybe they had a chiropractic work in the past that they thought worked, and so they're going to go back and try it again. A lot of families have fear of adverse effects of traditional medicine. Uh So, like, you know, I don't want to put my kid on an antidepressant because I've read all of these scary things about it. There's so much in the media about that kind of stuff. Exactly. Uh Or they're, they're just not satisfied with the care they've received. They maybe feel like their complaints have been blown off. 
and they need more personal attention. So those mm-hmm. were the reasons that parents gave. Well, those are all really good reasons. Yeah. I mean, they're all really legitimate good reasons. So we know that families are frequently using these treatments. They're using them for themselves, and they're using them for their children. But what does the data show? I mean, are they, are they really safe, and is it even beneficial for their health? And what about the finances? You know, because it, it can cost, and a lot of this is going to be out of pocket. So does it drain the pockets of the families? And what's the best complementary or alternative Practices and does chiropractic manipulation or acupuncture does it hurt? Okay, slow down. Lots of questions there. So let's break it down and go through some of the most popular complementary and alternative therapies and discuss the risks and benefits of each. Today we'll talk about supplements and herbs, body based therapies such as massage, osteopathic, and chiropractic manipulation and acupuncture. But there's a lot more complementary therapies like biofeedback yoga, tai chi, hypnosis, meditation, even prayer some people would consider. And we can leave those for a separate episode if our listeners are interested. Okay, so let's talk about the alternative medicines that can be ingested, eaten, swallowed, and even you can drink some of them, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So we call these non-vitamin, non-mineral supplements and natural products. Okay, so this is a big topic because more than 50% of all young children and more than 30% of all adolescents in the U.S. have used a dietary supplement. Right. And while we think of multivitamins as being the most frequently used supplement in kids with just under 50% taking one daily, it's actually not traditionally counted as part of complementary or alternative medicine. Hence the non-vitamin, non-mineral. You could also think of like iron as being a supplement. Um, But other common supplements that kids might take are melatonin or vitamin C. Mm -hmm. And other dietary supplements commonly used by children are echinacea, peppermint, chamomile, probiotics, ginger, fish oil. In older kids and teens, it's more popular to use supplements for weight loss as well as to stimulate energy and sometimes in hopes of gaining more muscle mass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it, and, you know, especially in boys that are involved in sports are often um, doing that. Mm-hmm. So these supplements can be problematic for a variety of reasons. So it's important to remember that federal regulations for dietary supplements are less strict than those for prescription and over-the-counter drugs. A recent study looked at Ayurvedic herbal products and found that 20% had heavy metals, including lead, arsenic, and mercury, and 50% of these products were marketed towards children. I yeah. mean, think about that lead, arsenic, and mercury that they might be ingesting. <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely a higher risk of contamination in supplements that come from Asia and India originally were manufactured there. Mm-hmm. However, it doesn't mean that U.S. manufactured supplements are always safe. They have found these um, here as well. So, you know, it's important that you do your research. Right. It's really important to research, do really good research on the companies that you buy supplements from. And your physician shouldn't just tell you to just go buy a supplement on the Internet unless they've, they specify exactly what to buy and where to purchase it. And that is we want to make sure that they've done research on this product and that they trust the product. Right. Definitely. And we know that also that overdoses and side effects with supplements and herbs are more commonly seen in kids. The reason that is is because in pediatrics, when we're looking at medicines, we always use weight-based dosing for medication. So you may have seen that, like, as your kid grows, the amount of Tylenol that you give goes up Mm -hmm. based on their weight. And that's how we use all medications that way. And because supplement dosing doesn't really 
work in the same way or hasn't been extensively studied in children, we don't have the correct doses for the supplements. And so this can lead to more side effects, allergies, as well as the supplements themselves interacting with other drugs the kid might be taking. So for example, the kids might be taking a supplement, but they might be taking basically the adult dose of it. And for a kid, that could be an overdose. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about some specific supplements that when taken in appropriate doses for appropriate conditions, they seem safe, maybe even beneficial. And for example, if your child has trouble sleeping, your pediatrician may have recommended recommended melatonin. Mm-hmm. And melatonin is a naturally occurring hormone that can help with sleep, and studies show that it does appear safe for short-term use. We don't know much about its long-term effects. And again, the dosage depends on your child's weight. Right. Melatonin is definitely a popular one. Another one is probiotics, which I'm sure many of you have heard about. And how come you get to talk about it? (laughs) I know, right? This is your field of expertise. I thought I'd switch things up. Okay. (laughs) So probiotics are live microorganisms that are naturally occurring in our gastrointestinal tract, our stomach and colon, and um, they're good. We like them to be there. Good bacteria. Good bacteria. Friendly bacteria. Friendly bacteria. Um, So if um, your child has problems with colic or bowel issues, your doctor may recommend that you take these. Or after you finish a course, your child finishes a course of antibiotics, sort of, they say, to repopulate the Mm -hmm. good gut bacteria. So they also know that this is in, they, they come in capsule liquid form. You can also find it in things like yogurt. And the studies have shown that giving kids probiotics doesn't appear to be risky, but there's no big definite studies when used long term again. We know we don't want to give these to kids that have more chronic medical conditions or on things like leukemia, maybe have inflammatory bowel disease. Mm -hmm. So those would be areas to stay away from it. Right. Anybody with a weakened immune system, Mm -hmm. you need to be real careful with that. Yeah. And you also need to be careful with many other supplements, either because they can be dangerous if too much is given, or they can interact with other medications. Mm -hmm. Even over-the-counter medications that are advertised as herbal can have significant drug interactions. And for example, in 2017, people may have heard of Highland's homeopathic teething tablets. They were found to have poisonous levels of the plant belladonna after infants were presenting to hospitals with really peculiar symptoms like dry mouth and large pupils, blurred visions, fever, fast heartbeat, hallucination spasms, and even mental problems and convulsions, seizures, and coma. So really serious stuff. Really scary. Um, We had one of those kids come to our hospital, and I remember it was, we were all kind of scratching our heads, like, what could this be? And it was interesting when we found that out. Mm -hmm. Another example of a medicinal plant is St. John's wort. Um, Some families may have heard of this, maybe not others. We learn about it in medicine because it interacts with a lot of different medications. It's been used to treat depression. It interacts with some of the same enzymes that break down other medicines. And so when you're taking that in addition to something else, you can have buildup of the other medicine, and that can lead to toxic side effects. Some of the common ones that it interacts with are other antidepressants, seizure medications, birth control pills. So this is a big one that you definitely want to talk to a healthcare professional about if you're even interested in trying. Right, or even talk with your pharmacist about it if you're picking up a medication. Right. Yeah. So we know that supplements marketed for weight loss or building muscle mass are some of the most dangerous. And in a study done in June 2019, 
Um, it showed that supplements sold for weight loss, muscle building, and energy were associated with almost three times the risk for severe medical outcomes, including serious liver injury, stroke, kidney failure, and life-threatening changes in your heart rhythm. Right. Scary. Really, really scary. scary. Yeah. So that's why it's so important to see, talk to your teen about this, see if they've used any of these products, and bring them in to show them to your pediatrician. We have tools and databases that can allow us to look up these supplements and see what their interactions and side effects are. So these are tools that are like not just like the internet, right? Right. Something exactly. Fancier. Okay. Something fancier. <laughs> okay. Many families use choose to use herbal therapies and teas and things like that because they have always done this in the context of their social or cultural group. Mm-hmm. And although some herbs have been used for thousands of years, even for religious or medicinal purposes, historical use is not not a guarantee of safety. And while we obviously we respect each individual culture and we know that these practices are safe most of the time and may even provide some benefit, it's important to talk about these practices with your physician. Yeah. And I think we really don't see how common it is, especially from people of Asian descent or Hispanic descent. There's always, you know, a family like grandma gave me this right. or um, my parents did this for me. And so I talked with one of our pediatric residents, Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Stephanie Yen, about her experiences as a kid um, using herbal supplements. And here's what she had to say. Uh, My parents are from Taiwan, but I was born um, in Los Angeles, California. And you grew up experimenting with Taiwanese medicine and complementary and alternative medicine. Yeah, kind of like um, the Chinese, like, um, herbs and different types of alternative, I guess we would call complementary alternative medicine, like acupuncture. Um, they would have me drink these teas that they brew out of different types of, I don't know, dried herbs. I'm not even sure. <laughs> like, there's so many different types, but basically you go to an herbalist mm-hmm. and they would kind of, um, have this thing where they check your pulse to kind of read your body. And then they, depending on your complaints, would come up with prescriptions with different concoctions and Mm -hmm. you would just go home with these different um, herbs and boil them and then drink that. Did you feel like they worked usually? Um, I didn't like drinking them. (laughs) I saw, I I mean, I think like with a lot of things like colds and stuff, you get better eventually. So I don't know if it's like they work, but a lot of people do believe in them. My dad is a strong believer and he thinks that it helps with his kind of medical problems, like his pains and things like that. Do you think you're going to do it for your kids when you have them? Um, I think if, if it comes to a point where there are things that, um, that Western medicine can't like solve simply or that like don't, um, there's no easy treatment for a lot of things like chronic pain and things like that. I think, um, a lot of these herbs don't have, um, risks involved or side effects. So if it's something that's not, um, if it may be beneficial and not harmful, then I could, would potentially try it. Dr. Yen is not alone in saying that she has done these or she would try it for her kids. Interestingly, more than a third of pediatricians report that they or their families personally use complementary alternative medicine on a regular basis. So as you can tell, we really just scratched the surface talking about some of the supplements to look out for. While some have been proven to be helpful and some have been proven to be harmful, So like all other medications, they have risks and they should be reviewed by your physician before use, especially in the pediatric age group. Definitely. And we are going to do this in a two-part 
series. So today we talked about supplements and complementary and alternative medicine. And next episode, we will talk about some of the manipulative and body-based practices as well as acupuncture. Okay, so to summarize today's um, episode, we talked about complementary and alternative medicine, including non-vitamin, non-mineral supplements and herbs. We do believe that having an integrative and holistic approach to medicine is essential and know that each patient, including children, view their health and wellness in a different way. We discussed that supplements and herbs, although frequently described as natural, they can have side effects, especially in kids. And so it's important to discuss everything your child is taking, even supplements or herbs, with all the members of their healthcare team. For each of these alternative therapies, we recommend having an open discussion with your pediatrician. You will help us learn from you and remember that it's always an important subject to talk about. Keep a list of everything your child is using, including supplements, as if it were a medication, and write down herbs, teas, supplements, and when they started using them, and note any side effects, either positive, negative, or neutral. And if your pediatrician isn't comfortable talking about these topics— Or if you want to discuss it more extensively, you can ask for a referral to an integrative medicine specialist, and we'll post some resources um, on this on our website. We would like to thank Dr. Maxine Barish-Reedon, Dr. Jennifer Griffin, Dr. Akil Palinisme, Dr. Eric Hassad, and Mark Velez, a group of integrative medicine physicians and practitioners from Sutter Health's Institute of Health and Healing. Dr. Dean and I take full responsibility for any errors or misinformation. Have you ever tried taking a supplement, herbal supplement, or anything like that? You know, I was just trying to think that. I mean, we talked about during some of the diet issues, the vegetarian ones, that I'm a vegetarian, so I take vitamins. Yeah. Um, those don't. Those are just regular vitamins, though, right. just because my diet's not not as healthy as it could be. I think the only the only thing I've used is something called I think it's called matcha, which was oh yeah you were telling me yeah, about I was telling you that, that, I, that um, it's something that you burn and that you hold over the affected body part. I was having a problem with my foot, and um, I don't know if it helped or not. But my wife would come home and she would say, "I smell marijuana. Are you smoking marijuana?" <laughs> And I said, I said, no, I'm just doing this matcha. And she said, that's you got, you got to, She said, you got to do that outside because I don't want our, our house reeking of this marijuana smell. Oh yeah, no! How about you? Have you tried any? I mean, I've always like tech, taken echinacea mm-hmm. or, or like emergency or things when I feel like I'm getting a cold. So echinacea is supposed to boost the immune system. Immune system. And then yeah. I think there are like some kind of just like soft studies that have shown that yeah, it's, it's helpful. Yeah, it's been sort of contradictory. Contra- yeah. yeah, not not clear. Not clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like Dr. Yen said, is like, it's a cold. So maybe you it's were gonna, just going to get <laughs> right. better anyways. Uh-huh. Um, but maybe there is like, you're kind of tricking yourself into thinking that it's helping. So it sometimes feel, it I'll It feels still like do you those. have some control over exactly. it. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So at least it's like, well, I'm taking something. Uh-huh. As opposed to just like sleeping and watching TV and waiting <laughs> for it to get better. So right. I'm open to trying them for sure. Mm-hmm. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. 
please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. Thank you.